Lord, we thank you for today. We thank you that you are good. We thank you that you have given us your word and you have given us this letter from Peter to remind us of who we are in you, God. I pray as we dive into your word this morning that you would change us, that our hearts would be broken for your truth, that we would realize the ways that we do not trust you, realize the ways that we try to fix things on our own, God, and I pray that our hearts will be turned to relying on you, good and faithful God that you are. And we pray this in your son's name. Amen. So the other day, uh, we were at some friend's house, and we were watching a movie called Wonder. Anybody ever seen Wonder? Cool. So if you haven't seen it, I'm going to ruin it for you a little bit today. Apologies. Uh, but it's a great movie. Uh, it's a bit of a heartwarming movie, a bit of a tearjerker. If, you've know, if you know me or if you've watched movies like this with me, you know that this can be kind of a... Uh, my eyes start to leak a little bit, we'll say. Uh, it, it, it pulls the heartstrings a little bit. And this movie, Wonder, is about this family. It's the Pullman family. Uh, they have a son. His name is Augie, or August. Uh, and Augie has kind of a unique situation. Augie was born with uh, some facial deformities when he, was, when, he, when he was born, which caused him to have many surgeries throughout his life, many, a lot of plastic surgeries, trying to create a, a sense of normalcy for, for Augie. And this, you kind of get this background all in the beginning of the movie of Augie learning what it's like to, to live looking a little bit different. But you also learn that Augie is incredibly smart. He loves science. He's witty. He's funny. He's a kid who just loves life. And he also loves space. One of the ways that he kind of comforts himself uh, is he wears an astronaut's helmet around, around the house, sometimes even around, uh, around town. And this story, this movie, takes place as Augie is about to go into fifth grade. Now, throughout his entire life, Augie uh, was homeschooled. His mom taught him, uh, and, he, and he wanted a, a challenge more so, especially in the science field. He wanted to experience more. He wanted a challenge, but he was obviously hesitant about going into fifth grade. And he goes into this school, and there's a couple of kids that are kind of assigned to Augie to kind of help introduce him into this, this new community, this new, the classes that he will be in, but he struggles. There are kids that are mean. Anybody who's ever been in elementary or middle school know that kids can be mean. And Augie experiences this. Augie experiences suffering. He experiences ridicule. ridicule. He experiences kids making fun of him and pointing out the ways that he just doesn't fit in. Oh, you're different. No, you, you, can't, you can't do that. You can't say that. And Augie has a hard time. He comes home through the first day and talks to his family about how, how he just doesn't want to be there. He doesn't want to experience that struggle, that, that pain that he's experienced in this new environment. And that's tough. Anybody who's a parent can probably relate to the fact that it's tough to see your kids struggle. It's tough to see your kids experience pain. It's tough to, to allow that to happen. But I started thinking about this movie now as I was watching it for, for the second time, how much this actually relates to what Peter's talking about. Our Heavenly Father allows things in our life that are difficult allows things in our life that, that cause grief, that cause pain, that cause worry, that cause anxiety, but he does it for a reason. And Peter is saying that there is a very special reason for that, and he's recalling us throughout the, what we're going to look at today, he's calling us to rely on and live in the power and the love and care of our Heavenly Father, even in the midst 
of struggle, even in the midst of suffering, even in the midst of anxiety, that there's not a place that we can go or a level of suffering that we might experience that can escape that power and love and care, our Heavenly Father. And so to give us some context, Peter throughout his letter kind of repeats these same ideas. Early on, even in the very first couple verses of the, of the verse, he's, he's reminding these exiles, these people who are living in a world that's different than them, they're living in a world where they ultimately are, are aliens around them. He's saying, hey, as a believer, you're, you're different, you're unique, you stand out. There's something different about you than, than in which the world that you live. He addresses the letter to the chosen, meaning that they are there on purpose, that God has a purpose and plan for those people, that what they are experiencing is not an accident. What Brian just quoted, the the verse about being born into a living hope, he's reminding them that, that what they have, that living hope, what Jesus has given them through dying on the cross, is not something that can be taken away from them. Their wealth might be able to be taken away from them. Their lives might even be able to be taken away from them, giving what they're experiencing, but that living hope, living hope cannot be. Talking about an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled, unfading, kept in heaven for them. They have an identity that is secure. And in chapter two, he even goes back and uses some of the language of Exodus when, when God was speaking to Moses saying, hey, you people, this, you, you feel like Gentiles, you feel like, you're not, you don't feel like you're worth it, you feel like you're in a world that just doesn't, doesn't accept you. He's saying, hey, you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of my possession, of God's possession. There is nothing that you can do that can, you can ex- escape the identity of God. He says there's, there's, there's a difference between you and what you're experiencing, and that is through God. So he gets into it. At the conclusion of his, he says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. And that's kind of a weird way to, to I, I feel like, to close a letter. You know, if I, if I was doing it, I'd be like, hey, just, just be strong. You can do it. You can do it. You can try harder, try harder, try harder. But Peter takes a different approach. He says, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And so uh, you probably all have experienced a little bit of these thunderstorms that we've been having in the middle of the night. Anybody wake up in the middle of the night, like, what was it, 4.30, 5 o'clock in the morning? Yeah. We, it, they're, they're loud, right? I, I have a dog who hates thunderstorms, who runs around the house, and you can hear her paws on, like, the, the little wood floor. It almost sounds like a mouse running around the house. But uh, our kiddos also are not huge fans of thunderstorms. And one of the things they like to do when they hear a thunderstorm is they like to come out of their bed and come jump into our bed and be snuggled up and they get like a little fetal position and they're just like, they just want to be held because they're a little scared of their thunderstorm. And I started thinking about this and I said, wow, what a beautiful picture of what Peter is talking about. He's saying, humble yourself under the mighty hand of God meaning to make yourself low so much so that you are fully dependent on the care and the protection of your heavenly Father. When you're experiencing suffering, when you're experiencing what you're experiencing, the, the best place that you can go is to the mighty hand of your heavenly Father. I, I didn't have to teach my, my girls to come to me or to Amber for protection, to, to feel safe. I didn't have to teach them that. They knew that when something's not right, when they scrape their knee, when they fall down, or when something scares them, they know where to go. And they know where they can be held, and they know where they can be protected from those things. 
And Peter is reminding his listeners that even in the midst of everything that you see around you just doesn't make sense, you have some place that you can go. It says, humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, so that he may exalt you at the proper time. Meaning suffering is going to happen. He, he says that over and over and over again in his letter. Suffering will happen. That's, that's not something that you can, can change. Suffering will happen, but he doesn't leave it there. He says, casting all your cares on him because he cares about you. That's a beautiful picture. And I love the verb that is used because the word casting is not, hey, just cast it once and, be, and consider it good, but it says, no, this is a repeated thing that a lifestyle of giving your cares and your worries and your anxieties to God. And I do want to say quickly, though, as it's talking about anxiety, there's probably people in this room who are like, yeah, I, I absolutely experience anxiety. And it can be debilitating. It can take away your strength. It can take away uh, so much of what you want to experience in life. And sometimes this verse can kind of sound like, well, just don't worry about it. Just give it to God and you'll be fine. But that's not where Peter is going with this. Peter is going here because he recognizes that the, the suffering, the worry, and the anxiety is so great that there's only one place that you can actually take that. A great commentator, as I was reading on this scripture, says, we can't just throw off or get rid of our struggles because God has allowed these things. But we can give away the worry and anxiety that come with it because we can count on God's ability and readiness to help. And this is not meant to belittle the worry or anxiety you might be facing, but instead magnifies the power and care of your heavenly Father. God has promised to sustain us and supply what we need. I mean, that's powerful. Does that mean that you, you won't ever struggle or have anxiety again? No, that doesn't mean that. But what it does mean is you have a heavenly Father who cares so much about you that even in the, the, the depths of the worst suffering or anxiety you might experience, there is a God who is ready and willing to supply what you need. The suffering didn't end for these exiles in these, in these cities scattered throughout modern-day Turkey. But was there throughout the entire time was the presence, the care, and the love of their Heavenly Father. It continues, it says, be sober-minded, be alert. And this is the third time Peter says this in the letter. He, he clearly wants you to be, pay attention. He wants you to be alert. In, in referencing of the servant, says, your adversary, the devil, is prowling around like a roaring lion looking for anyone he can devour. Resist him, firm in the faith, knowing that the same kind of sufferings are being experienced by your fellow believers throughout the world. As scripture teaches us, the devil's really a one-trick pony. He's deceitful. He's a liar. That's his trick. He wants to trick you into thinking that, well, no, God can't supply what you need. God's not enough. You need to do it on your own. You need to, you need to run away from God. He's, he's not there to help you. He's there to hurt you. And I would imagine living life as an exile in a country where culture is different, society is different, the people around you don't like you and don't even want you to believe what you believe, man, the lie has got to be creeping in. They got to be thinking, surely this, this can't be it. Surely this isn't enough. Surely something's got to change. Maybe I'm wrong. And Peter is saying, don't, don't go there. Be alert. 
Watch out for the lies that might come into your life, the temptations that you might face. That suffering and temptation will happen spiritually, physically, it's, it's going to happen and be ready for it. And it's fascinating to me that this truth, this encouragement comes from Peter. Peter, who fell into the temptation, the lie that, that God wasn't powerful enough to meet him where he was. He fell into the temptation to deny Jesus when he had the opportunity to stand up for him. And I would imagine as Peter is writing this letter, getting to the conclusion of this, saying, wow, the way that God has continued to love and to care for me, even when I ran away from him, even when I said that I didn't even know him, he says, be alert, be ready. You have a God who cares about you. If that's not teaching or preaching from experience from Peter, I, I, I don't know what is. And he also reminds them, specifically I would say, because they're so spread out, because they are experiencing life apart from one another, these sufferings that you're experiencing, all of you guys, we're, we're in it together. I'm experiencing it, they're experiencing it, you're experiencing it. We are not alone in the suffering that we face. So what are, what are the lies in your life that, that are roaring around you? Maybe it's that you're not enough. Maybe it's you don't think you're a good parent. Maybe marriage is, is a struggle. Mary, maybe school is just, I, I, you don't want to go back to school on Tuesday. Some I know you're already back, right? I know. But maybe there are things in your life, there are temptations in your life that you're saying, no, God's not enough here. God can't fix this problem. There's not enough of, of my faith here to, to address what's going on in my life. My challenge would be to you, and I would say Peter's challenge to us here, is are we being alert? Are we seeing the ways in which these lies are coming into us, coming into our lives, and are we saying, nope, no, I'm not trusting that. I'm trusting what I know to be true about God and who he says he is and what he says he is going to do. And in verse 10, it says, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ, will himself restore, strengthen, there we go, uh, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. The suffering will end. It may not happen in, in this life, but the suffering will end. God is a faithful God. He is a faithful creator. That mighty hand, that fatherly hand that protects us says, it will end. And so I wanted to show a clip this morning from the movie Wonder. As I said, Augie, uh, he experienced suffering. And he experienced it so much so that he was ready to leave and said, I, I give up. I don't want to do this anymore. But he learned something in his experience. And as the clip is about to show, I want you to see what happens in, in Augie's life.
Thank you, choir. That was beautiful. Ladies, gentlemen, boys and girls, graduates, final award this morning is the Henry Ward Beecher Medal to honor students who have been notable or exemplary. Usually, it's a good works, a service award. But I came upon a passage that he wrote which made me realize that good works come in many forms. Greatness, he wrote, lies not in being strong, but in the right using of strength. He or she is the greatest whose strength carries up the most hearts by the attraction of his own. Without further ado, this year, I am very proud to award the Henry Ward Beecher Medal to the student whose quiet strength has carried up the most hearts. So, will August Pullman please come up here to receive this award? that stage, I felt like I was floating. My heart was beating so fast. I didn't really understand why I was getting a medal. It's not like I blew up the Death Star. All I did was get through fifth grade, just like everyone else here. Congratulations. There you go. That's for you. Then again, maybe that's kind of the point. Maybe the truth is, I'm really not so ordinary. Maybe if we knew what other people were thinking, we'd know that no one's ordinary. And we all deserve a standing ovation, at least once in our lives. My friends do. My teachers do. My sister does for always being there for me. My dad does for always making us laugh. And my mom does the most for never giving up on anything, especially me. It's like that last precept Mr. Brown gave us. Be kind, for everyone is fighting hard battle. And if you really want to see what people are, all you have to do is look. you've not seen that movie, I recommend it. Um, but I, I love that because it's such a great picture 
of a reward. Now, what I'm not saying is that you, you're suffering and the things that you might experience are you're going to get called up on stage and handed a medal. It'd be cool, but that's not what I'm saying. I show this clip because it's a great picture of what looking like, of, of getting to the end of a struggle is. I don't know if you could hear it when he was whispering with his mom and sitting in the seat, he says, I was so mad at you. I didn't want to be here, but I'm glad. And I think Peter is, is hitting on something here that that sentiment is, is, is pretty, pretty close. We don't want to experience suffering. It's not like we would wish that upon our family or wish that upon ourselves. But God allows these things in our life for a reason. And ultimately, God allows us things in our life to, to make us more like his son, to bring us to a point where God has wanted us to, to be, the purpose that he has created us for. And ultimately, that is to glorify God, is to point people back to who our heavenly creator is. And I love at the last, he says, for all fighting a hard battle, choose to be kind. That's not unlike the message that, people is talking, that Peter is talking about. He's saying there's going to be people in your life, he's talking to these exiles, there's rulers, there are kings who treat you terribly, but respond with kindness, respond with gentleness, respond in a way that would point people back to God. And he says that God will restore, establish, strengthen, and support you after you have suffered a little while. God's still in control. Even in the midst of our suffering, even in the midst of things that we just don't understand, God is in control. He is sovereign, he is loving, and he cares about you. This glory that Peter is talking about will happen. It will happen. Like I said, it's not necessarily going to happen in the form of a, of a ward up on stage, but as it, it, it will happen. And one commentator says, it says, when we are called to his eternal glory, this is what this looks like. It is the glory of a purified character. It is the glory of a perfected humanity. It is the glory of complete victory. It is the glory of being honored by a king. It is the glory of reflecting the glory of God. It is the glory of the immediate, constant presence of God. It is the glory of the enjoyment of God himself. What a picture. Yes, suffering happens and we experience it, but ultimately we know that we are looking forward to something much greater that the world that we experience, the, the things that we see right in front of us now are not what we're looking forward to. What we're looking forward to is this picture of this perfect environment where we get to experience and worship God in his presence. That sin is no longer there. The struggle that we face is no longer there. The victory will be finished and already it'll be won, complete victory. And Peter concludes with this. He says, the God, uh, I'm sorry, to, to him be dominion forever. Amen. Peter is saying, hey, we know what this is about. We know this is about God's glory, his power, his control, us under his will forever. Because there's nothing that we can do on our own that's going to match what God can do in our life. So what does that mean for us here today? 
Because as you know, Peter was talking to a group of exiles, and I, I wouldn't consider us exiles here living freely in Zeeland, Michigan, sitting in a church knowing that we're, we're pretty good. We're, we're pretty good. But what this does mean for us is that the sufferings that we face have a purpose. The things that you worry about, the things that you stress about, the things that cause anxiety in your life, God wants those things. God desires to take that burden off of you. That is not a burden that he has asked you to carry. Because God allowed these sufferings in your life. He didn't sign up and say, hey, raise your hand if you want a suffering. He allowed them. <laughs> Thank you. He allowed them in your life. But he did not require you to carry that burden. Because he is a good father. A mighty hand to protect you. And he calls us to live our lives in a way that point other people to that truth. We're all fighting a hard battle. Every person out here, whether you're a believer or not, is fighting a battle, is fighting a struggle, experiencing pain and heartache in their life. How amazing would it be if that our stories and the way that God has allowed these things in our life, how amazing would it be if we used those to bring others to that same joy that we experience through Jesus? God calls us to live our lives in a way that point people back to him, even in the midst of suffering. And I think it's very fitting as we kind of close First Peter with communion. Because when Jesus was talking with his disciples, he says, I want you to remember, and I want you to celebrate this. What we are about to do, I don't want you to forget that. So as our, as our band keeps, comes up here, I want us to remember this truth. And as we take the bread and we take the juice, I want it to be a picture of our trust in who God is. Even in the midst of our struggle, we know that God is good, that God is for us, that God has a mighty hand of protection on us. Does that mean we won't suffer? No. Does that mean we won't experience things that we don't want to experience? No, but what it does mean is we have a God who is in control. And so communion is a beautiful picture of that trust, a beautiful picture of that love, a beautiful picture of the sacrifice that Jesus did on our behalf so we can sit here today and, and, and live in that truth and to live in the power, love, and care of our Heavenly Father. It is a beautiful picture of the reminder that there's nowhere we can go, that there's no suffering that we can face that escapes that love and care. And so today, we have communion stations. And what I would encourage you to do, I'm going to pray here in a moment, I would encourage you to take some time between you and your Heavenly Father to, to remember the ways that He has been faithful to you, to maybe to give up some of the worries and cares and things that are causing stress in your life to Him, saying, God, I'm not going to carry this burden anymore. And maybe you're not a believer today. I would encourage you to explore that. Talk to God and explore what, what, is it, what is it that's going to bring you to a point of trusting God as your Savior? Because this is a picture of that sacrifice. So I'm going to pray, and then as the, as the band plays some music, feel free to come and, and, and take communion as, as you need to. Take some time, pray. Be, be in, in, in the presence of God and worship God through, through your prayer as we do that. Let's pray together. Lord, we thank you that you are good. 
we thank you that you care so much about us, that you want to take the burden of suffering off of us, God. You want to protect us. You want to give us the good things in life that you would give us, God. And you want us to make, you want to make us into the men and women that you have created us to be. I pray as we take this communion, um, I pray that we would remember that we would not forget the ways that you are faithful and good. And it's in your son's name. Amen.